The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello and you're welcome to the latest episode of The Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, with the new Barbie movie about to drop this month, how far would you go with Barbie Core Pink? Well, designer Gary Cohen would go very far indeed. And he's in with us to talk about the trend taking over the world. We'll have an A to Z of online art auctions. Frank MacDonald and one of the most sumptuous drawing rooms in Ireland. And it's almost the 4th of July, so we're going stateside to look at LA trends with Natasha Rocca-Devine. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Instagram at SineadRyan100 and we would love to hear from you. Now, we are starting a new summer series uh, next week and even though the weather turned a little bit back to normal. Uh, There's nothing nice than visiting one of the beautiful gardens or stately homes just to see how the other half once lived. And many of them now are open to the public, beautifully curated and maintained uh, and looked after. So I'm really looking forward to kicking that off with Johnstown Castle in the sunny southeast. But as a teaser this morning, another beautiful, famous home, Rusper House, will be on the menu. So do stay tuned for that and let me know your favourite stately home to visit. And we'll incorporate it maybe in the series in the forthcoming weeks and tell us what you love about it. That's 53106. or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. But first, the long-awaited Barbie movie is out in just a few weeks' time and many in the design world are predicting a Barbie core revolution. Always in the pink, Gary Cohn <laughs> from <laughs> Cohn Architects and Design joins me now <laughs> to talk about how you can incorporate uh, it in your home. Everything from bubble gum uh, to neon. You're very welcome, Gary. And in anticipation of you being here and turning oh, up no, in pink, no. which <laughs> I'm sure you, you did. Well, what and of you? course, you're American. <laughs> oh, look so, at this. You guys, you can't see this. These are beautiful pink donuts. Beautiful pink donuts. And um, I have decided to bring in a range of pink colours, which I p- picked out this morning on my way into work. You are work. so good. So Delicious. I'm going to ask you first, what yes. is your favourite shade of pink? My my favourite shade of pink is this, um, going to sound weird, is this one right here. It's called Jam Tart. Okay, right. And that one is actually looks like jam tart. It does. And it looks very like the shirt yes, you're wearing as well. Thank you. Jam tart. And I know you recently did a client's bathroom in this colour, which I'm sure wakes them up in the morning. Um, but it's, it's very, very nice. Okay. Jam tart. Right. Okay. People can have a look for that uh, on Gary's uh, Instagram site. Uh, now, did Mattel invent Barbie pink or does it, does the history of it go back much further? No, it actually goes back much further than that. This is so okay, Sinead, we're gonna talk with the donuts, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. So um I'm gonna give you the really short version. In the past there was no pink or blue for boys or girls. It wasn't until after World War II that um Eisenhower's wife Mimi wore this beautiful pink dress. We're in prosperous times in the US, and pink becomes in the home and everything, and that's when it starts to come to to into like boy girl and marketing got it okay now it's not until 1970 that Mattel the brand for Barbie decides that pink is Barbie's color before that it was just um there was no actual designated marketing color for pink for okay. Barbie sorry so so it wasn't a gender based color for for most of its history then no this is this is the 20th century this is recent this is like from the 19 19- 50s forward is when it's becoming because before that they said that oh no blue is for girls pink is for boys see red is 
pink is light red. Yeah. And red is very aggressive. So they're saying that that's a better color for boys okay. as a light, light color of red. Right, doesn't it just show you how the marketing can kind of flip and change your kind of look of it? Now, this movie set, which caused a world shortage of <laughs> pink paint by all accounts, uh, Greta Gerwig's um, film, which might be the only thing it has going for it, but I haven't seen it, so I can't possibly say Margot Robbie is by all accounts phenomenal. Um, there is about, I don't know, 47,000 shades of pink in it. Um, tell us about some of your favourite features in the house, um, Gary. So the, my favourite feature, it's also, this is retro, back to when Barbie first came out, 19, oh, by the way, she came out in 1959, uh-huh. Okay, and then so it has this lot of retro of the early 1960s, late 1950s. Okay, so it has all of that. It's all plastic. Okay, so it's not real. So you're actually feeling when plastics were coming out, this yeah. feeling. And it also has these great features of just, you know, everything perfect, beautiful. And with this pink, do, do you know, pink actually looks great on your everyone's skin. It reflects really beautiful. Um, it's a little trick I know in design. That bathroom you're talking about, mm. when you go in there, Sinead, when you go in there, you just look 10 years younger. You look like glowing and because that reflects on your skin and wow. you know how that healthy color looks. Fantastic. Well, we oh, all want one of those. Your, yes, right. your question. Okay. So it's all about this. So she has a pink wardrobe. She's a pink water slide. Yep, yep. Um, Pink sofas, lamps. I mean, pretty much everything. The car we know about. Yes, yes. Um, I, I mean, you know, people of all ages, girls of all ages will remember having a Barbie or a Cindy. I was... I was a Cindy girl. I thought she was a bit more classy, but there you go. Um, so you're saying that that came out kind of at a time. So this was the post-war. America was rich, wealthy. People Absolutely. wanted to celebrate. Yeah. They were regrouping after the war years. Uh, and this kind of idea of having having a doll with with her own life, really, was that just a new feature then of no, that time? you nailed it. You know, so here's what's going on. You're after World War Two. There was rations during World War II. So blues and um, greys and all these uh, masculine so, colors, yeah. that's what women had to wear during the war during war times, okay? Now it's sort of like, let's let's break tradition. Let's make this color the, the new, you know, color. And let's uh, adhere it to women's, uh, to women by uh, house goods, refrigerators, kitchens. Yeah, and so now yeah. you see the psyche is, let's throw away the past of that grim. Let's have this bright new future. And it's slowly getting linked to women. And you have you have somebody as influential as Mamie Eisenhower turning up in this pink. And then you've, you have here with you a selection of pink interiors. Yep, so yep. everything from sofas to airline seats to branding. Like it's it's bright though, Gary. I mean, we're not talking about pastels here. This this is like full on color. Well, it depends on the the, the period. So when it if you go to the nineteen um, to the mod, it's bright pink. As you get into like the early seventies, it's it's or late sixties, seventy, it's pink, light pink. Then seventies gets these bold pink. Eighties gets what color it is? It's a pastel. Yeah. yeah, so we it depends were, we were on into the you... kind of whole Laura Ashley, Princess Diana kind of stuff around that. Yeah, so, so going to the 90s. And yeah. so that is the same thing with the shabby chic. The pink pink is coming in okay. with that. And, and that would have been reflected in the new colour televisions that were coming out, set designs, the Brady Bunch, you know, all, all that stuff that people, people <coughs> saw. Yes, exactly, exactly. So to help you out with this gender pink of what's going on. By the way, it's also the most disputed colour ever. 
in the Western. How so? Because why is it for girls and why is it for boys? And if a boy wears it, is he bearing daring or not? Or is he being fashionable? Or what's the... It's this whole thing all made up. All made up. Okay. By the way, um, there was a re-gentrifying of blue, uh, boys with pink, uh, boys with blue, pink with girls in the 1980s, around 1985, when s- ultrasound came in, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the test verified if, it w- if you wanted to know the gender, because mm-hmm. now we can know the gender, mm-hmm. boy or girl, it'll say blue or pink, and, how, and then houseware started to clue in that they know the gender before the baby's born so I can have my, my nursery made up in pink or blue. Gosh. You see, all marketing. We've really been hoodwinked into yes. thinking in a certain way. So we're in the 80s now, the 90s. We're looking at these pastels. Now, this is yeah. a much softer approach to pink. But more towards today, There's yeah. no fuchsia. There's no neon here. This is this is pale. And it's yeah. in little flowery sprays yes, and yes, stripes yes, and ginghams yes. and all that kind yes. of thing. It's going to change in the 2000s. Yeah. So so bring us up to date then, Gary. Okay. What kind of things now can we expect? You've brought in colour cards here yep, yep. for a whole range. Everything from the palest of pale right up yep, to yep. kind of Yep. So what's happening now is, um, let's just let me just tell you gender-wise what's going on now with TikTok and and um, all these social media. It's all these gender reveal parties. <clears throat> oh, right? I know. So guess what it's doing? It's enforcing that pink is for girls, blue is for boys, even more so. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of what's going on right now. Unfortunately, you're causing the divide again. But let's just answer your question. So the colors are beautiful today. So I'm I'm handing uh, Sinead a really co- this color right here. Okay, th- I, I'm going to say that's like a bubblegum kind of a pink. Yep. And this one over here. And that one is like a candy floss. Yep. These aren't the names of them, by the way. This is called Rose Mantle, which is a much nicer name than candy floss. But there mm. you go. It's that kind of fluffy pale color. Yep, you see that in that sofa. Okay, so you have that in a velvet sofa here now or a velvet um, reading chair. And actually, that's a beautiful use of it because you don't walk in. It doesn't hit you between the eyes. No, you don't. It's gentle. Uh, and you've painted doors in it, architraves, cushions. So how is the best to incorporate a color pop if you didn't want to go full pink? Well, let, let me just put it. I would go full pink because these colors... <laughs> I know you would. I'm just not saying everybody is <laughs> like you. <laughs> but if you look, they're going closer to beige, right? It's a, it's like an, a warm, beige color with a touch of pink in it. Okay. So it's very nice. If you could see here, that color right there on that photograph. Okay. So okay. like a very pale, pale shell Color Shell is a good good way of describing for a wall. it. Yes, yeah, beautiful. And it's a lovely. That I I think of that now as a Pinterest board wall or a Zoom meeting wall. Isn't it? Yeah, 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 it's yeah, very yeah, yeah. pretty. Yeah, yeah. Now to answer your question about accents, yeah. they're done in cushions uh, like that beautiful color you're wearing right now. She's wearing this beautiful oh, um, fuchsia. I was like, look at that! All right, stop showing off. Stop that showing off over there. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a photograph afterwards, folks. And you can find out what I'm wearing. I think it's pennies. Um, okay, uh, so accents, so, accents, is, so little stool in the kitchen the rest of the kitchen isn't pink but the school you got it you, okay. you got it you got it you got it so what colors now do we do we not want to push with that pink because you don't want to distract from it but it has to be integrated because to me pink is a very standalone color um I, I mean it doesn't go with every shade so what, what palette would you incorporate with it okay so I'm gonna go simple with you pink and believe it or not brown go really well together oh, okay yes because brown is more of a um it goes to the neutral side, even though people don't know this. Brown is actually dark orange. Well, right. That's another conver- That's yeah. another meeting with okay. you. <laughs> 
okay. but it's also next to each other on the 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 color. It's on the, on the spectrum. spectrum. Okay. 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 So pinks are good for um, accents. Like you could put it with use pink as if you have a neutral room, neutral colors going on, and you just want that pop mm-hmm. in there. So that if you had that bright pink sofa in a sea of neutrals, it just like oh, oh I want yeah. it was there. Yeah, and it actually makes it look luxurious rather than cheap. You, Isn't you, that it? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So you can go with the fuchsia color of pink or you can go with that very soft shell color that you mentioned really well. Okay. And final question, will you be going to see the Barbie movie? What do you think? What do you think? We, we, we have these donuts, I'm on here with the coffee with you and I'm not going to see the movie? What are you talking about? <laughs> Gary Cohen, always a joy and a pleasure to have you. Where can people find out more about you, uh, you and could, have a look at that pink badge? <laughs> you can see me on my TikTok or social media at uh, Cohn, C-O-H-N underscore design or my website at conedesign.com All right well listen we'll finish up there you can have a donut (laughs) have two whatever pink shade you want I've already started you didn't know (laughs) (laughs) and we will see you next time and listen thanks a million uh, for coming in and and chatting to us today about all things pink and let us know if you are planning on going to see the Barbie movie 53106 if you want to get in touch or the home show at newstalk.com Now, over the last number of years, online bidding at auctions has become the most popular way of bagging a bargain. So how do you bid online and how do you avoid making a mistake? Well, don't worry about it. Rory Guthrie, director of De Vere's Auction House in Dublin, joins me now with uh, some great advice. You're very welcome to the studio, Good Rory. Good morning, thank you. Now, um, so most of us think of art auctions like packed rooms and raised paddles and you're afraid to scratch your nose and lots and lots of money changing hands. To what extent has moving online changed that landscape? Well, unfortunately, those those packed room days are more than more than less a thing of the past. Um, b- before internet bidding and telephone bidding, you'd have hundreds of people in auction rooms. I remember queues getting into auction rooms, people sitting on staircases to get a bid in. As you say, scratch your nose. It's not quite as uh, <laughs> as, as secretive as that now. But the online method has become the number one method of selling of, of buying at auction and why do you think that is it's because is it because people just feel more secure in their own homes they've more time maybe they're not going to be press ganged or hyped to, to to bid on something is that part it? of it yeah part of it is busy lives you know you've, you don't have to turn up at an auction you've got to arrange your day around that online happens easy you're on the phone to be honest it's it's quite an enjoyable process it's not something to fear um, all the websites and certainly on online platforms are very user-friendly. They're not designed to be difficult. They're designed to be easy and they're designed to be enjoyable. And bidding is enjoyable. People get addicted to it in some ways because it becomes <laughs> well, that, a hobby. That might be a good thing. I remember about, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, I was sent by an editor to cover uh, an auction up somewhere in Kells and <laughs> they sent me with the snapper and we had to go up and, you know, do a colour piece on what was going on. I ended up buying a, a Flipping painting. And you still have it? <laughs> I do. A Mary Carroll. Oh, Mary Carroll, yeah. She, it's beautiful. It's one of my favourites. Um, so I was bo- both furious and delighted with myself. Um, more than my fee for the article went Yeah, but you see, picture. that's the thing. It is, it is a process to enjoy. So you have that hanging on your wall. You have the memory of going up there yeah, and seeing it and buying it. So I it makes, means more to you maybe than something you might have seen in a catalogue and ordered it. Or, You're right. Yeah. Now, of course, that said, however you buy, you want to be able to see the items. I mean, certainly if you're going to be spending anything like a bit of money. So what? What if you're bidding online? Like, is there an option to go into, say, your gallery and uh, your auction house and, and examine 
Yeah, there are. There, there, first of all, there's a catalogue, which you would like to receive in the post, or it's also online, which contains multiple images, front, back, framed Sizings, on the wall, yeah. sizes, everything, all the information you need. Of course, then you also have to have a viewing process where people can come in and see the items in the flesh. Myself, I'd always want to see a piece of because you want to hold it, you want to feel it and see what size it is. Yeah. But more and more, you're seeing people often not viewing in the flesh because the online method, they're comfortable with it. They can request additional photographs. They may not be in the country. They could be overseas buyers. Mm. They might not be in Dublin on those particular days the viewing are on. So they are able to get additional information from the auctioneer, be it by close-up photographs, front and back yeah. condition reports, all that to kind of feed their information. And I suppose the difference between that and, say, buying from a private seller is that you've already done the work you know, on the provenance or on the value, yeah. you know, you know what you're selling. You are, and you're giving that information in the catalogue. Yeah. And it's going to be biographical write-ups on the picture, giving them more information. Okay. Now, take us through the how-to. So, it, uh, you know, if it's a first time, you've never done this before, you need to set up an account, I presume. You do, and, yeah. And you're you go- doing your checks and balances on prospective buyers. We are, yeah, you do. You basically, to bid online, you have to have an online profile. So through our website, you go in, you create a DeVere's account, uh, you're set up, you provide your name, address, telephone, contact details, and you set up your name and your own particular password, which is unique to you. That gives you the DeVere's account and you're free then to go into each catalogue, view the items and bid accordingly. Now, you'll want to make sure that you get paid. We also <laughs> so certainly do want to be sure we get paid. And we do, and basically the checks go on after. The, once you've purchased or been successful in bidding, then the, the the account process takes place, which is very traditional. We you know we do payments by bank transfer, by check, by debit card, as you would in any transaction. Okay, so so once you've done that, it sounds fairly straightforward. I presume then there's a lead in time, so it's unlike an auction house, it's not like you have to bid in the next hour. They're do- yeah, they're done by time bidding. So, for instance, we have an auction on now that closes on the July eighteenth. So you've nearly three weeks to bid. And you get different tacticians. Some get in early and bid now, and some people like to leave it, leave it to the very, very oh, and end. See where it's going? Yeah, exactly. Oh, which right, is the Irish okay. way. We yeah, wait and wait yeah, and wait yeah. and wait. But at the end of the day, it's democratic democratic system. The highest bidder wins, whether it's bid at the start or it's bid at the finish. Okay. But it closes then on July eighteenth at two o'clock. So it, each lot. Okay, will, so everybody knows well in advance. This you is actually the last. see and the you get clock. a flurry of bids then. At you the do, last yeah. <laughs> you get a clock ticking. So okay, you see the bids as they come in. You see the bids going up as they come in, and the time ticking down. And tr- more than likely, the closer you get to the cutoff point, the more bids that come in. So you can see what other people are bidding, but not who they are. Is oh, that absolutely. It? Yeah. Okay. So okay. Right, there's no identities disclosed. It's just a bid. Okay. Bid process. And, and you can see how many bids prices. have been submitted as well. It'll show you there's been 20, 30, 40 bids, whatever it is, it'll show you. So you'll know the, the level of interest you in, do. in the item. But what okay. it does is if the closer you get, if you bid in the last few seconds, you might think, oh, wait and wait and wait and wait and I'll get just before cutoff. Yeah. But if you do that, it does extend out 30 seconds to allow other people oh, the opportunity to bid. Okay. Yeah, it's to avoid so this okay. called no, bid sniping. No. It's to avoid bid sniping. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so you mentioned there you have a forthcoming uh, online auction. Yeah. What, what kind of pieces can people expect in that? To be honest, story? July and August are quite, quite, quiet months for us. So we've run our major your sale in June or art sale but this sale in July is sort of what we regard as a clear out sale so there's about 200 lots of furniture and paintings and very much on a budget I mean there's things there for 50 euro there's things there for 2000 euro but it's really designed around a clear out 
from previous auctions, maybe things that weren't sold, or we've had a few probate sales and this is the residual items that are going in. Yeah, the probate thing is important because I suppose um, when somebody passes away and maybe they lived in a big old house where their children don't want the stuff or it's out of fashion or they can't house it in in modern homes nowadays. Do you do a lot of of business there? You know, what's popular, what's not? What's nice about a probate, some people regard probate sales as their, uh, you know, sad events. I actually think it's like the ultimate recycling is where you able to offer somebody's collection of pictures on the open market. By and large, most of those pictures were bought on the open market. So you're effectively moving, moving them, them on yeah, to new homes. Yeah. Um, and in, for instance, now, and that's the sale coming up, we've maybe 30 pictures in from a very no, well-known architect, John Marr, who died last year. He had a lovely collection of pictures. We sold some of the higher value ones in our sale in June, and this is the residual side of it. So you'll get to see the best of the best and and also the, the lower the value bits items The maybe that well. you could start with or, exactly. or affordable. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, lots of information there. Thanks a million for that, Rory. Where can people find out more? Devere's.ie. It's Grand. all there. Bidding, all the catalogue, how to bid and the process itself. All right. Okay. Why not take the plunge? <laughs> you, yeah. might, you might indeed bag a bargain or or get used to that process there. Rory Guthrie, Director of Devere's, thanks for joining us on the Thank show. Thank you. Now, Rusborough House in County Wicklow is home to what my next guest, former environment editor at the Irish Times, Frank MacDonald, has described as the most sumptuous drawing room in Ireland. And following a restoration programme, the Vernay drawing room is now open to the public. Frank, you're very welcome along to the home show. Thanks, Sinead. Now, you've taken a tour. Tell us what you saw. Well, I mean, it's really dazzling. You know, all that gilding with with 23 karat gold leaf and and the rich golden ruche curtains on the windows which were made by Ju- Julia Davis Goff I mean you know it is it is uh, quite sumptuous alright um, but some of these would say it's kind of over the top <laughs> one of my friends likened Joseph Leeson the, the, the first Earl of Middletown who commissioned Rusborough in the 1740s to a kind of a nouveau riche modern day Russian oligarch of his day in terms of the brashness of his taste for, for opulent interiors you know rather than something more restrained but my response was to say that if the restoration team, which, is, by the way, was headed by historic interiors designer Alec Cobb, if they faithfully recreated what the drawing room looks like in the mid-18th century, wouldn't that be authentic? And don't the public deserve to see it as it was then? Well, there, so, is, there is no shortage of guilt in the <clears throat> pictures I'm looking at, for sure. And uh, it is indeed, as you say, incredibly opulent and sumptuous and luxurious and a kind of de trop, really, uh, to, some, yes. to some extent. Well, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the history of Rusborough House. Well, Joseph Leeson, the first Earl of Milton, um, after whom Leeson Street in Dublin is named, he engaged the best architect of the era, Richard Cassells, to design Rusborough. And he filled his new mansion with, with works of art, including paintings by Titian and Canaletto, which he collected on trips to Italy in, in 1744 and 1751. And he there, while he was there, he commissioned French painter Claude-Joseph Vernet, who had a studio in Rome for 20 years, which was patronised by British aristocrats on the Grand Tour Circuit, mm. to paint a series of oval landscapes depicting the times of day for, for Rusford. Rusper's first from drawing room, which was then in the making. So the, the Vernet drawing room, um, as it's come to be called, also contained four rectangular landscapes on this theme by the same artist, set beneath 
it's exuberant Baroque ceiling. I mean, the ceiling is just magnificent with uh, over, the overpaintings framed by swirling cartouches, which was done by uh, an anonymous stuccador uh, who's simply called the St. Peter's stuccador. And over time, as the, the house changed hands, of course, all, uh, all eight Fernet pictures were dispersed from Rosborough with the four ovals sold in Paris in, uh, in 1926, nearly 100 years ago. But its last private owner, Sir Alfred Bice, uh, tracked them down and, and managed to do so in 1968 when he paid a small fortune to acquire the pictures from a New York financier. And more recent chance discoveries uh, led to the recovery and authentication of the three Vernets, the three of Vernet's uh, missing rectangular times a day pictures from 1751. And their purchase was generously funded by the Apollo Foundation, which was set up in, in 1984 to benefit the fine arts in Ireland. And all of the four oval Vernets required significant conservation treatment at Alec, Alec, Alec Cobb's uh, workshop near London, including you know, the removal of yellowed varnish and mm. poor overpainting mm. from previous restoration, retouching, varnishing, and all of that, all, all, and along with the repair and regilding of the frames. And the, the gilding and partly coppering uh, of the cartouches took restoration artist Teresa Cuddihy over 10 weeks to complete. Wow. And, and, and the wonderful cove ceiling had its original soft white colour reinstated after forensic analysis of layers and layers of paint by historical paint consultant Catherine Hassel. And these paintings, when you actually see them in situ, they do, they are a set. They do go together. So oh, absolutely. He, he did the right thing by by kind of tracking them all down and bringing yes. them back to where they should have been because they tell Indeed. a story, don't they? They do tell a story. And, and you know, and, and Rusbury is, is like that. I mean, you know, like a lot of, a lot of aristocrats uh, whether they were nouveau riche or otherwise, uh, went on grand tours of Italy uh, in the 18th century, and you know, specialised in, in in collecting. Many of them mm. specialised in collecting uh, pictures. And one of the pictures, actually, that that uh, Leeson uh, bought in Rome um, was a large 17th century copy of uh, Guarcino's uh, Triumph of David. Where he's shown it's quite gory. That, that one is, yeah. of, of <laughs> is a bit gory. The head of <laughs> and that hangs above the magnificent marble uh, breakfront yes. uh, fireplace. Uh, but that picture too was was bought by Lisa in Italy. So you know, it's among. It was actually among the two hundred pictures which were were, were be, bequeathed by the last Countess mm. of Milton to the National Gallery of Ireland, uh, which vastly expanded its collection and now, led to the construction of its Milltown Wing in, ni- in 1902. Now, Rusper House, of course, is famous or perhaps infamous uh, as the site of uh, the biggest art theft in the history of the state, uh, the bike collection in 1986 by um, Martin Cahill, uh, the, generous, uh, the general. Just remind us a little bit about that, because it wasn't the only robbery they've had. No, in fact, there were two. Uh, one of them was was led by uh, Rose Dugdale, um, the English, uh, the English woman who who became a um, a, a fervent Irish Republican, mm. and she, I, I remember, that was in the mid nineteen seventies, um, and she, I remember, she she actually went went through the house, and she was she because of her, you know, I think she had some training in art history, but she was able to point to all of the most expensive uh, paintings. Uh, when they raided the place and just said, we'll take that one, that one, that one, that one, and that yeah. one. And um, they made off with, with a hoard. 
And then later on, uh, famously, um, the the uh, the general, uh, as he was called, Martin Cahill, um, uh, uh raided Rusper as well. About it was about ten years later, mm. I suppose. Mm. And that was a, a that that's been been the subject of films. It has uh, indeed, and, and in fact, three films. The, the paintings you know, were recovered in in that yeah. instance, and he didn't get nearly as well, much it, for them as I think he well, thought fact, he might. I think there's only one or two paintings that are missing still, um, but but there but the but most of the paintings were recovered, and and but you can just imagine how how um, when you think of Rusper's isolated uh, location, I mean it's near Blessington, and, uh, but it's not that close, mm. and it's out in the countryside, and uh, Sir Alfred and Lady Bice were in, you know, would have been terrified uh, by by this kind of stuff. Of but, you know, like uh, a trauma, uh, traumas like that to happen. And yet they stayed there and, and, and continued on um, living in the house and, and looking after it. Indeed. And listen, anybody now out there can explore the newly renovated Ruspra with a guided tour. It's available seven days a week and you can find out more details on ruspra.ie. Frank, thanks for that tour. Thanks for bringing us about. I'm sure you'll be a frequent uh, visitor uh, to uh, Ruspra and indeed a lot of our stately homes. And we will be doing uh, some other pieces on this in the coming weeks. We'll be looking at the stately homes and gardens around Ireland or at least some of them uh, and they really are a wonderful legacy that we have. Frank MacDonald, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Home Show today. Thanks, Jenny. You're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Uh, now, it is the 4th of July next week, next Tuesday, so we've decided to go stateside and have a look at the trends and tips coming out of Los Angeles because so many of them make their way across here. Uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by interior designer Natasha Rocket-Divine. Natasha, you're very welcome to the Home Show. Thank you very much for having me. And Natasha, this is a place you know well. It is. I actually lived in LA for a couple of years and I was an estate agent and I worked in design there. So I know the trends pretty well and obviously keep on top of them. So um, I think we should go with some fun, outrageous ones, if you're OK with that. We will. But le- well, they're always fun. I mean, I'd be yeah. disappointed yeah, if they know, were kind of boring, straightforward trends. But let me ask you first, because we had Gary Cohen at the top of the show and we're talking all things Barbie this week. Um, are you a fan of Barbie core? To be honest, I actually was thinking I wouldn't. And then I see photos popping up and I really like it. I think we've just come out of like kind of a couple of hard years and it's fun to see colour and fun. And I have a daughter, you know, the, the brightness and the, the lightness of it all. Yeah. I actually am really liking it, to so be honest. So where on the pink spectrum are you now? What's your favourite I uh, actually like place? Um, I love bright pink. To oh, be do you? I, yeah, I like, yeah okay. I like the fuchsia pink. I actually was going to do a candle, a fuchsia candle, and it just didn't happen in the end. But I actually was surprised by myself. I thought I'd go more muted, but I love fuchsia pink. I think it looks, you're wearing a fuchsia top, you look amazing. It just, it brings, you know. <laughs> full tilt today. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. But yeah. I actually great think, for radio. You know? Great for radio. Yeah. But, exactly. Well, we'll get a photo after. But yeah, I do think just, it, it brings a lightness and a fun, funness in interiors. But I think it has to be done in kind of a lightweight uh, with an accessory know, or a panelled wall. You know, that way a exactly. feature wall versus the whole house. All right. <laughs> well, listeners can can listen back to Gary's piece on that. Uh, very entertaining and also good tips uh, on it. Now, uh, while we are over uh, stateside and the West Coast, um, I, I'm thinking um, maybe they go all out on things like colour and design and pops and too much is never enough. But are you finding a different trend now? Are they kind of paring back on, on some... In looks. Know, 
I think what I loved about LA and one of my favourite parts of design was ed- everything goes. So like when you're styling, you know, each client wanted to have a different house. Everyone wants to stand out. So the best part about that is every trend. Like, for example, minimal looks is a new trend out there. So even though it's minimal, which we all like, it's very luxurious because it has oh, to be LA. Right, Do you know that way? Okay. So it brings in, it looks very muted, but actually very luxurious layers to the rooms, even if they're in muted couches. They have like, you know, just throws and, you know, just layer upon layer. So Megan Markle is is it Montecito that kind of 100% like like, uh, Ventura Helen Turkington you know that like really beautiful kind of layered but still very luxurious if you look at the price (laughs) tags you know nothing goes not cheap and cheerful no not cheap and then they do really fun things I've noticed um, like designer utility rooms and boot rooms like and laundry rooms so like really like like chandeliers in the laundry room and like really glam like you know with kind of nearly a bar in there so you can have a drink while you're doing your laundry I think that do people in LA who have that much money do their own laundry I think it'd be more of a fascination, to be honest. It'd be more like the idea of it. But I think they like the idea. It's very kind of image focused and fun. And So what makes what makes a utility room luxurious? I mean, apart from the chandelier, which we all have. You could, I think they have bars in there and just the colours and the le- like the, the level of detail. Most people put in kind of, you know, the cheapest parts of um, stone and tile. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Do it they would, have like posh cupboards? They have posh cupboards. It looks like a living room, you know, like oh, it has see. chandeliers and just like rugs and throws and like just marble everywhere. You know, very, like like a spa in a hotel, you know, like a bathroom for, or a spa. For your feel, laundry. For okay. your laundry. And a boot room now. Tell me what that is. For your shoes and coats. Oh, so, you know, of course. Yes. You know, no, obviously a lot of people don't call it that. But yeah, like but it's usually have people have them connected, the utility and the boot room or the dog room. But in that actually another area is they have like dos, dog spa areas in there. So they have like beds for the dogs and, you know, like they have a whole room in the utility. So it's, it's nearly like a palace for the dogs. The dogs. Okay. So. Or cats or whatever you have. So. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what this was, but I'm afraid now this is what barkature is. Yes, it's a very big trend. Barkature okay. is architecture for dogs. Obviously not just dogs, because you might have different pets. You might have llamas or cats or whatever. I don't want to laugh. I have had dogs. Um, I, I They didn't have a special room, in all fairness. Uh, yeah. I think they had a, a bed in the utility room. Yeah, which is, I'm saying, a normal... Maybe a bowl. And a lead and no That's clothes. It. So so what kind of things yeah, are in so the Paris spa Hilton, area? Yeah, Paris Hilton. Actually, it's not even in the utility, Sinead. It's outside. She has got an architect build a whole house for her dog outside. Like, I don't know if it's adjoining the house. or it, Do we call I, that a kennel now or is it more than that? I would say a villa. Oh <laughs> I would say a dog villa. Like, <laughs> what do you put in I know, it's got like Natasha. a ramp in. It's like, it's literally like, it's got its own bed, its own room, like chill out zones. Like It's got multi-zone areas. But it looks like like kind of like a Spanish house you know like as if you were driving by in Spain on your holidays and you saw a gorgeous villa just shrunk down for the dog it has everything that you would need in a house um, so and then like you see kind of David Beckham with like Louis Vuitton throws for his dogs like the accessories and the clothes and all of that is very much LA and I always felt that even when I lived there people had dog beds they're driving their, their dogs around like wheeling them around like in not just like kind of a granny wheelie kind of trolley a very fancy kind of pram. Like a, I, I a have pram. an embarrassing moment on that actually um, I was on holidays I think last year and it wasn't anywhere like LA it was in Europe and um, this mom came over with her pram and she was sitting down she was trying to drug, juggle coffee and her bag and the pram and I wondered did she need help so I, I stood up to go over to her just to say what a lovely baby <laughs> <laughs> there was a dog in the 
from? Oh my God, it's so funny. I got the what fright you say, but they, life. but people, I suppose people would like. Well, my I'm, face didn't say that's a lovely baby. That's for sure. <laughs> You're like, ah. But you know, I like at the end of the day, we live in a modern world where people don't have kids. So I'm all for like, you know, I understand people who don't have children in particular. I think it's brilliant, you know, and like they give the dogs and pets such. I'm such a, an animal rescue fan, so I love that. But I think it might be on a different level. You know, it's not just in the utility. This is like a whole villa for the dogs. And and are there actually straight faced interior design? who are designing oh this yeah stuff. definitely okay. when I was there they, we have a thing called so on they have a um, like kind of open house where you can go and see houses in LA to buy them and they would rent like like they would book actors and rent dogs for like so they walk in like they would create a fake facade for the house for staging it and they would get dogs on like little lilos around the pool like I'm not messing Sinead like honestly there was dog actors like they'd have their portfolios and stuff like it's a totally and they have um, a dog hotel and things like that like literally like a, and they have spinning beds like and it's called Poochie instead of Gucci the rooms and stuff like I swear like we could go on another this is another show Sinead I think, we, show. I think we need to leave that yeah. right there now yeah, right okay because it'll, it'll turn into even more absurd uh, right now you can uh, take outdoor life very seriously in LA it's sunny it's Absolutely. warm and of course you won't want to then go into your bathroom to have a shower you'll want to do that outside. outside talk to me about outside showers yes so obviously alfresco dining is hugely popular in sunny places in Europe and, and we're all loving that at the moment because the sun is great um, but this is alfresco showering and I don't want to make this sound absurd but it's very much like even if you're you know there's always been showers outside but I think it's kind of more of a communal shower thing it's more of a fun oh. a shower yeah I don't right. know where it's we're not, gonna... now we're not talking about Dermot Bannon in his bath here are we I mean this is like <laughs> well, Gwyneth, stuff well Gwyneth so, Paltrow showed her house you know she I think it's architectural digester you know she's shown it and she had her own spa so it's become a huge trend now that's another thing for LA homes it's like their home spa so alfresco showering is very popular and I don't know if it's for yourself or whatever but it's very it's become the norm there and you know we've always seen showers in water parks you know where you can rinse but this is a different scale yeah. so um, that's probably another to- another show in right. itself and yeah. are you talking like about a hot tub and you know kind of a privacy to have a shower I've no, seen No very open Oh yeah, very it's open very, very open kind oh, you, of. you want people to see you yes. having the shower Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah It's right. very kind of open like the way your alfresco are all sharing this okay. space Well yeah. I suppose if you've paid thousands for your body you might as well show it off um, That's probably another thing Okay so uh, now one thing that is making a comeback uh, and I'm delighted to see it and I hope it's going to be tasteful is the whole uh, return of the Art Deco movement Art Now Deco. Art Deco stems from like a hundred years ago. So it's that 19, kind of late 1920s, 1930s period. Miami really is the showcase for everything Art Deco. It's an absolutely beautiful style. It's my favourite. So please tell me they're doing it stylishly in LA. Yeah, and that's what I said. The best thing about, well, one of my favourite things about LA is because I'm very open to trends is that they've done it very tastefully. And there's places called the Mart Collective, which I loved. You would adore it. It's like a warehouse of kind of Art Deco vintage furniture. And they come from movie sets and they bring them from Europe. And it's one of my favourite places near Venice Beach. So they have the luxury of that. But yeah, the trend is very similar to that. And if you think of Great Gatsby, like the movie for people who don't really know what Art Deco is or may or not be kind of popping to mind. Mm. But it would be very glam in LA, Sinead. It wouldn't be Art Deco kind of in Ireland or where we might kind of layer through a theme, you know, with vintage pieces yeah. and mahogany and kind of, you know, like um, feathered fans. And, you know, like the, it's very gold focused, you know, and bar yeah. trays and yeah. gold glasses. And it's very entertainment focused. And actually the whole cocktail bar trend, you know, the kind of the little, even the little trolley that yeah. you can have at home with the little gold yeah. and glass and the fancy that. glasses and all that. I mean, you know, you can kind of get low 
loads and loads of stuff that can give you that art echo sense. Yeah, you but know, in, that's a, in a low-key, functional low, way. Yeah, yeah like you yeah. can use that. And that's, br- especially where like rent is so high at the moment. That's brilliant. You can have your own little home bar that you can wheel in and around if you have a patio or a garden. That's my I, the ideal way of bringing art deco in or wallpaper. But I think in LA, like everything, it's very big. So it's kind of, it's a more of a Gatsby party. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, okay. Um, art go deco big or feel. go home. Yeah, is that really exactly. it? Okay. Right. Anything else that we can expect to see over this side of the of the pond? I think there's a couple of random things like mushroom lighting and mushroom, like actual physical mushrooms is a really big trend. Like just really random right. things like that. I, I don't think we're going to have that over this side, but I think more, we'll see muted versions of everything. I think Pet and Tears is becoming really popular no matter what people say. I think minimalism is definitely like a trend. We see it, you know, as I said, Ventura, really gorgeous homes. Um, and I think kind of bringing in that Art Deco feel is definitely seen in Ireland in our trends. But we'll see to the extent I'll fresco sharing I don't know if we're ready for it yet today, but we'll soon see um, so oh that's gosh. it for now I'd well say. you will keep us up to date with all of those things and more on your Instagram yeah Natasha Rocket Divine fantastic alright well listen thanks a million for coming in uh, and giving us all those things I, what do you think folks are you planning a spa for your dog or a villa out the back <laughs> let me know 53106 uh, that is all we have time for uh, on the show today and what a show it has been and what a way to finish so we've been full of glam uh, this week for sure if you've got a topic you'd like us to cover or uh, something you'd like uh, us to look after or you'd uh, a guest you'd like us to have on please get in touch we love hearing from you uh, and all our guests are so fantastic and expert at what they do. So the home show at Newstalk.com is the email during the week and we get the whole team on that and we go through all of those emails that come in. Thanks to Eva Breen producing this week and Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy on sound. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.